Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm very excited. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming out this morning on the um, our Christmas Eve candlelighting service, which I, I realize seems like it like should be at night. And so I'm very thankful that um, you're here this morning, and uh, glad that you're here today on Christmas Eve. Hope that you've had a great week, and I hope that your Christmas Eve is really amazing. You know, I think that uh, over the years, I've realized there are two different types of people in this world. There are those of you who, as Christmas approaches, maybe around Thanksgiving or a little bit before, a little bit afterwards, you really look forward to going up in the attic down here in the South Carolina low country, or for those of you who might live a little bit north of here, going down in the basement and you love getting boxes out of the basement or out of the attic, and you love decorating. All right, some of you are those types of people. That's one type of people. How many of you love decorating for Christmas? And most of you have your hands raised now. You're really sad in a few days when you have to take it all down, or you'll get a nasty gram from your neighborhood, POA, or, or yeah, Homeowners Association. You know what I'm talking about. The other type of People are those who cannot wait till December 26th, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you'll get in a lot of trouble if I ask you to raise your hand, but you can't wait till December 26th, and for you, you're waiting with those empty boxes on December 26th to take the decorations down because you're ready to get back to normal, right? And uh, that's the two different types of people, I think, that exist in the world. There are those who love decorating for Christmas. Those are those who love being a part of that. And then there are those, you guys are all Grinches, all right? Those of you who can't wait to December 26th. And I got to admit, sometimes I'm a little bit of a Grinch myself. So anyway, uh, you know, the whole idea of decorating for Christmas has, has been something that's really withstood the test of time. Uh, in fact, the whole idea of lights, we've got lights all around us, up on stage here in the back. There's lights at your house, I'm sure, on trees and in windows and probably out in the yard in some form or fashion. The idea of having lights on a Christmas tree started in Germany in the 17th century. <laughs> and I want to tell you what they did. They got candles and they took either some kind of pin or wax, and they attached it to a dead tree that was inside their home. What could possibly go wrong with this picture? Am I right? Like, let's light the candle that's on the dead tree that's attached in our home. Um, hopefully, they didn't leave, and, you know, everything was fine. But it goes back to the 17th century of people lighting a Christmas tree, and it was symbolic of the light of the world that we've been singing about and that we've been talking about. That God sent his son into this world to die for the world. To die for the sins of the world. To be a light in a very, very dark world. And so for many centuries now, we, during this time of year, we've been bringing light into darkness, especially at night. And over the course of time, in fact, uh, there was something that prompted the use of electricity, and that was, is in New York City in the 1800s, there was a fire. In fact, there was a massive fire around Christmas time that they determined started with a candle in a tree. Shocking, right? <laughs> and so as time went on, we began to use electricity, and we began to use then incandescent lighting and now LED lighting. And one of my favorite Christmas gifts ever was this year. Cynthia brought home a box, 
and it was around Thanksgiving, and in the box was this little spherical thing that attached to a pole that went down in the ground, and I plugged it in, and it took me three minutes to do the outdoor lighting at our house. Isn't that a great invention? I love whatever those things are, the LED strobe things that Disney created, and we now have adopted it, basically, is what it is. This time of year, light represents and symbolizes what God was doing by sending his son Jesus into this world to die for the sins of the world, to seriously bring a spiritual light into a place where it was spiritual darkness. And it's interesting if you think about the fact that like our whole, our whole world this time of year kind of surrounds and centers around the idea of light. Back then in that day and age when God was doing what he was doing in the present time, um, darkness ruled the world physically at night. It would have been very unusual in that day and age when Jesus was born to be um, out in the countryside and look out over the horizon and see any kind of light at all. Cities would not have dotted the horizon with light because, and towns wouldn't have, and villages wouldn't have, because there was very little light to be had. There certainly wasn't electricity, and so light was scarce. Light was incredibly hard, hard to find. It was very difficult to find. You, you, you wouldn't see many people traveling at night because it was very difficult to travel without light. And that's the dark environment that God broke into the darkness with the light of the world, his son, Jesus. And in fact, the story is greater than that. It's really amazing because Jesus not only is the light of the world, but um, he was ushered in and introduced into the world by light itself. Matthew 2 records the story that many of you know well. We'll read a few verses here this morning. Chapter 2 of Matthew Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. There's one interesting aspect that we probably don't focus on a whole lot during this time of year, and that is is that part of the dark world included the king of the Jews at that time, who wasn't Jesus yet. It was King Herod. And he was an evil tyrant who who, um, really did evil and, and harsh things to his subject. He was put in place by the Roman government there in Judea, and, and he ruled with, with harshness, and he ruled with kind of an iron fist, and he, he was someone who was evil. And so even this, this kind of tension between he and the wise men about this star that was shining in the sky shows the contrast between light and dark, both literal and physical. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word so that I may too come and worship him. And we say, Yeah, right, Herod. Of course, that's what you were doing. You were seeking to kill him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place that the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered, offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You see, Jesus, who was sent to be the light of the world, was ushered into the world by a star. In fact, that's part of the reason that we have so many lights at Christmas time. That's part of the reason why in a few minutes we'll, we'll light a candle as a symbolic gesture of the fact that Jesus not only was the light of the world, but he was ushered into the world by a star, by a light in the, in the sky. And can you imagine in that day and age, with the darkness that was all around, this star that for some reason miraculously shone brighter than anything that had ever come from the heavens before. I'm sure that many of the people who saw it, and it wasn't just the wise men who saw it, probably millions of people saw it, I, I'm sure that they were stunned and they were probably startled, and, and in fact, they might have even been scared. They might have been terrified for what was going on. What in the world is this star in the sky? And of course, we know the story that Jesus had entered the world. The light of the world was introduced to the world by light itself. John in his gospel goes on to describe the fact that Jesus is the, the life and he is not only the life, but he's the light of the world. And then, of course, Jesus himself, he claimed to be the light. And, and we see that recorded in John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was introduced to the world by light. Others said that he was going to be the light, and he himself claimed to be the light of the world. But here's an interesting thing about light that pierces the darkness. When it happens suddenly, when it happens in an instant, when it happens in our lives, both literal and figuratively and spiritually, it can be startling and it can actually be terrifying. I can't imagine what the people were going through at that day and time. I can't imagine what they might have thought was going on in the world. I mean, we, we have an eclipse that we know about in advance, and we stare up into the sky for hours on end, hopefully with those glasses a few months ago, and, and we're in awe of what's going on in, in the heavens. And for them, it might have been terrifying. You see, light piercing the darkness can be literally terrifying. Just like darkness piercing the light can be terrifying. 
But spiritually speaking, light piercing the darkness can also be terrifying because all of a sudden, what you thought was okay, all of a sudden is not. And King Herod, he was the king of the Jews. He was the one that had control, and he was the one that had power. And all of a sudden, these wise men who know so much are coming from a far land looking for the real king of the Jews. You see, the light for King Herod was terrifying. Perhaps you're here today, and you've heard of this light. You have been one that's heard the story of Jesus. You've been through many Christmas services just like this and perhaps Easter services and maybe you've got a friend that's told you about the fact that God sent his son into the world to to come and ultimately to die for our sins to rise again three days later and perhaps the reason that you've rejected it is because it terrifies you. Plato once wrote, we can easily forgive a child who's afraid of the dark but the real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. If you're here today and part of the reason that you've never received the light of the world into your life to light your spiritual darkness is because of fear, I'm here to tell you that the alternative is much more scary. It's much more terrifying. You see, because what God offered in the light of the world is is eternity with him in heaven when we die. Eternity in heaven with him when we die. The alternative is spiritual darkness forever. See, we can have spiritual light forever. So anything that the light may expose in your life or about the world um, pales in comparison in terms of being afraid. As does the ultimate destiny if you don't accept the light. So my challenge to some of you today is to accept the light of the world, to receive him as your savior. And I'll give you the chance to do that in a few moments. But for others of you, you wonder why a world like this can be filled with so much hate and strife. If God sent Jesus to be the light of the world, why in the world then is there so much darkness? Why is there so much hate? Why is there a lack of peace and unity and love? And I would challenge you today with the thought this Christmas Eve that perhaps those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, who have accepted the light of the world, maybe, just maybe, we're not being reflectors of the light like he intended. Maybe, just maybe, you know, we're not representing to the best of our ability the light of the world. That's his intent for us. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2.15, he talks about us being blameless and innocent, by the way, not on our own, but because of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. He says, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as what? Lights in the world. Some of you may look that up and it may in your translation say, say, Shining like stars in the universe. That's his intent for you and for me. Jesus also spoke of this, and it's recorded in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, when Jesus said, you're, a light, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it where? On a stand, so that it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that, you, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You may be frustrated with the world that we live in. You may be sick and tired of the hate that you hear. But my challenge to you today, if you have the light in you, is are you truly to the people that you're closest to reflecting the light of Christ? Are you one who shines brightly or has your light become pretty dim? And on Christmas Eve 2017, my challenge is, is that you would leave this place inspired, maybe even convicted and challenged to, in your own world, reflect the light of Christ in a way that helps people to stomp out hate and to accept the love of God. Martin Luther King Jr. in a testament of hope said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Wow, that's so true. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so on this Christmas 2017, on this Christmas Eve, my question to you, if you already have accepted light, is how brightly are you shining? And my question to those of you who are here and you've never accepted that love, you've never accepted that light into your life, is my challenge to you is, is don't go another day without, without accepting the light. Don't go another day with the spiritual darkness, even if it seems risky to you. Accept the light that God gave in his son, Jesus, this Christmas Eve. There's not a decision that you'll ever make in your life that is heavier, that has a longer lasting consequence than that decision to receive Jesus as your savior, to receive the light that God offers to the world, including you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for the light that you brought into the world in your son, Jesus. This baby that we celebrate being born supernaturally in a time and in a day where darkness existed everywhere, both literally and physically and spiritually. And God, we thank you for the birth of the Savior. We thank you for the light of the world who came into the world, who pierced the darkness to arrive on the scene to bring light to a spiritually dark world. And for those who are here today, God, myself included, maybe we haven't been doing a good job being reflectors of your light. Maybe in our personal life with those that we're closest to, um, we have failed at this. And perhaps we failed miserably. Maybe with our coworkers or our fellow students. Maybe with our husbands and wives and our family members. Yeah, we've kind of failed at this. Maybe in our community and even in our churches, we've failed to properly reflect you. Father God, I pray that you would help each one of us to walk out of here today intent on properly reflecting you. You did so much for us by piercing the darkness, by giving light to this world. God, may we as your people 
do our best to properly reflect you in our world. Give us the courage to do that, whatever it may be. Holy Spirit, would you pierce our hearts and work on our minds to tell us what it is that we need to do, what it is that we may need to cease doing, what what it is that we're going to need to change to properly reflect you to our world. And Father God, for those who are gathered here today, um, and God, they've never accepted the light. They've never received the light, the light of the world. God, in their spiritual condition is darkness. If they walked out of here, they would never know if, if their eternity was going to be with you in heaven or somewhere else, a place that's filled with darkness. God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would allow them, that you would give them the courage to say yes to the light, to, to accept the light into their life. If you're here today and you, um, you've never placed your faith in Christ, you never received him as your savior, what, what a better time. There's, there's no better time than right now, Christmas Eve 2017. You'll remember it forever to receive the light into your life with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you're not sure if um, your eternity is gonna be filled with darkness or you're gonna be in heaven with God, make sure Make certain that you know and have received the light of the world, Jesus. I'm going to pray a a short prayer of salvation. And if you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer like this, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Regardless of what the light may expose, eternity is so much more important for you. It's a prayer that goes like this, and you can just pray it, just you and God. God, thank you so much for sending the light into the world. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. And right now, I admit that I am a sinner, and because of my sin, I'm far from you. And right now, I accept you, Jesus, the light of the world, into my life. Come and be my Savior. In this quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer or something similar to it, I'm going to ask you just to look up at me and raise your hand. I promise I won't embarrass you. I want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer along with me, just raise your hand for a moment. Look up at me. Anyone else this morning in the center section? Anyone else this morning? Anyone to my left, your right? This morning, pray that prayer. Side of the room, my right and your left. Anyone pray that prayer? God, I thank you for those who have prayed that prayer this morning. God, I thank you that their eternity went from an eternity of darkness into eternity of light. God, I pray that you would just help them to now live for you. And God, I pray for all of us that we would be people who um, reflect your light in the best way that we possibly can. God, help us to have the strength and the courage to do that starting right now. We thank you, God, for piercing this darkness and piercing this world, for becoming flesh, for choosing to save the world by coming to this world, God incarnate in flesh. And we give you all the praise and the glory for Emmanuel, God in the flesh. In your name we pray, amen.